Gaming the System, the number one podcast for gaming addiction, brought to you by Game Quitters. We use research-backed information to provide you with helpful solutions to gaming disorder, as well as shedding light on some of the most pressing matters in the video game industry every single week. We'll also feature guests who are former gaming addicts and have gone on to game the system, creating a life for themselves outside of the virtual world. Thanks for listening. On this episode of Gaming the System, I talk to Nadia Streiter, who's a therapist, parent coach, and director of programs here at Game Quitters, all about whether or not parents are really to blame for their child's addiction, or is it something else? When people lash out at us at Game Quitters when they're talking about gaming disorder, they're always quick to criticise the parents. It's understandable, they're responsible for the child's upbringing and limiting their gaming use, but In a world where video games are designed to be increasingly addictive, blaming the parents isn't always the best solution, as we'll find out in this episode. Also, make sure to listen to the end to hear about an amazing webinar we're running next week at Game Quitters, all about the top mistakes parents make with video game addiction. It's something you don't want to miss. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, James, for inviting me to speak with you this morning about one of my favorite topics, uh, parenting and uh, video game addiction and how we uh, conceptualize that. I'm really excited to be here. I have uh, recently formed a very strong relationship with Game Quitters. I've been invited to be the, the program director and I'm lead parent coach. And Cam and I have co-authored the newest version of the Reclaim program, which is a parent's guide uh, step-by-step to helping end video game addiction for their children, or at least reducing it into a manageable and healthy amount. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, actually, seeing that Reclaim program kind of come together and start building up and seeing the amount of work that you two have done um, or have put into the program it's uh, it's been really amazing actually seeing how how much it's developed it's been a really exciting project to work on um, i think that the combination of my you know clinical experience as a therapist and you know cam's experience just speaking to thousands and thousands and thousands of people and also his own personal experience as a gamer and managing, you know, um, overcoming that addiction. You know, we, we have a really nice synergy and I think bring the best of both of our sets of knowledge to the program. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's pretty much the only resource out there for parents, right? Um, who are struggling with a child who's addicted to gaming or struggling to reduce gaming use in the household. There's not really too many options out there for parents who don't really know what to do. Right. I I haven't seen, um, you know, there's a lot of like theoretical um, information uh, or just, you know, basic, you know, take it away, but without any real instruction and real thought and knowledge behind it. And if you don't create a realistic or sustainable plan, then it's doomed to fail. And, you know, our, our idea was that we really wanted to, to enable parents to successfully achieve their goals. So, you know, a lot of thought went into what does a parent need to do to become um, and be their most effective in achieving the goal and also in identifying what they want the goal to be. Yeah, I think that's so important. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is that is the role of parenting in overcoming this addiction to gaming that's taken over their children's lives. And we're seeing it more and more. It's becoming increasingly common, uh, whether it's in game quitters or just on the internet, in news articles, in the media. More and more parents are struggling to deal with this problem of their child spending too much time in front of a screen and it doesn't even have to be gaming it could be social media youtube or just general technology use Uh, it seems to be a global phenomenon that's rapidly uh, increasing all around the world and so we're going to be taking a look at the role of parenting and 
what kind of role parents play in it and whether or not they're to blame for their child's gaming addiction. Because it's something we see all the time, uh, at least in the game quitters community. People automatically attack the parents, saying they should be better parents, they should be more strict. Not only is it insensitive, but it can be quite damaging for parents to reach out for advice and they're suddenly met with all this, this negative, virile kind of attacks. That kind of attitude really does not empower a parent to feel confident in, in executing a plan and in, and in you know, being a strong and supportive parent. So that's the, that's the first thing that's really wrong with that attitude. Um, second of all, you know, every situation and every person and every family is different. So to have these blanket statements that it's the parent's fault um, you know, is really not feasible. Um, who, who knows what's going on in anybody's home and who knows what their resources are, uh, you know, both emotional and, and financial and all of all of those factors really do play a role in in the parenting of, you know, children. So I'm I'm very against the you know, solely blaming parents. Now, I, that doesn't mean parents don't have a role. But I'm, I'm really against um, blaming parents. I, I think the other very important point to make, you know, that I've noticed is, um, so I have, a, I have a 25-year-old son, a 22-year-old daughter, and a 20-year-old son. And, you know, gaming, games were certainly around when they were younger, um, but they, the games, you know, as you know, have evolved and they, and developers have really become much more predatory in their development. So, you know, that there's a, there is a sort of a generation um, where parents had no idea that this could be a problem and that this would evolve into a problem because there was no historical context for them, you know, to view technology as a problem. So what I see is you've got a lot of parents now with kids who are younger and, you know, they, they see in the media all the time that technology and video gaming can be problematic. So some of them are already, you know, they're educated and they're going into this educated. So I, I feel optimistic about that, but there's definitely a generation of kids who, you know, it got away from the parents. They had no idea, and their kids are completely and totally uh, immersed in a world that, you know, they're finding, parents are finding it very difficult to manage and to pull their children out of. Yeah, it, it really came from nowhere. Um, I remember when I, was, I used to play games as a kid, my parents would tell me about the games they used to play. Uh, there was this one called, I think, Jet Set Willy or something on a ZX Spectrum. <laughs> and it, it didn't even work. You couldn't play it for more than 30 minutes without it breaking. And then when I was growing up, suddenly I had unlimited worlds to explore, people and friends that I could connect to every day, uh, immersive gameplay and just these revolutionary mechanics that were introduced that really brought gaming to a new level. And it happened within the space of 10 years or so. It's incredibly short period of time. And so many parents nowadays, they have no idea how to keep up with it or how to educate themselves um, to understand the problem. Right. And there's no way that they could have anticipated it. No. Now we're here. Now, you know, parents, again, with, with younger children, I think have a very different um, responsibility because they can see, you know, what, what's potentially in front of them. Um, but, you know, there was no way for them to anticipate it. And they found themselves, you know, right in it. There's a whole generation of parents that just weren't prepared to cope with it. But now that people are becoming more aware I know people my age and younger are getting into this idea of breaking up with your phone or detoxing from social media, which is incredibly positive. But for those parents who are in the middle, in that gap, uh, what's a, what can they do to start building up this, uh, this education or this knowledge of games that their children play or just general technology uh, use? 
Well, I think that they first need to understand needs that the games their children are playing satisfy. And, you know, when they, when they begin to understand what those needs are, that helps them to identify gaps that exist in their children's lives. So, for example, um, you know, certainly in the U.S., um, schools have changed, education has changed, and schools have changed, and boys in particular um, have been really restricted in their behavior. So, you know, when you used to be able to go outside in the winter and have a snowball fight, um, that's not allowed anymore. They've changed you know, the types of games that you can play when you've got, you know, physical education or gym, that everything, you know, so there's no more dodgeball. There's no, there's no acceptable way to um, express any aggression, you know, in a healthy way. And it's become also um, much more difficult to have an outlet for, you know, have a competitive experience because as schools have gotten larger and larger, there are only a number of spots, let's say, on a given, you know, team. So you've got a, a whole bunch of kids who would like to play, who would like to be physically active, um, who would like an opportunity to compete and discharge some aggression, and it's just not available to them. Um, then you've got, you know, all, you know, parents really heavily scheduling their children's lives and they're not having the freedom to just go outside and play. Um, you know, school shootings and shootings in America are a real problem. Parents are afraid of uh, kidnapping. So, you know, they're, they have a very tight leash on their children. And of course, what's the easiest way to keep their child you know, quote unquote, off the streets, uh, and especially also with an opioid epidemic going on here, you know, you keep them in the house. But then what happens in the house, of course, they're going to use technology. And, you know, gaming in particular, um, you know, given the fact that you have to use technology, just like you have to eat, it's, it becomes very difficult to sort out how you separate the healthy use of technology what's the right amount of technology, just like what's the right amount of food and what kind of food you eat, um, you know, from what's unhealthy. So it's, it's a real struggle for parents. Yeah, it's almost like they're left with no other choice and they're not really given an alternative uh, method how to, to overcome it. Right, and sort of, you know, it's, it's a backlash that we're seeing uh, with changes in parenting styles where parents have sort of ceded their authority um, and there's a, you know, there's a role confusion now about who's in charge. So parents want their kids input, you know, what, what, what do you want to play? Oh, you don't like to play that. Okay. You don't have to play that. What, you know, what do you want for dinner instead of this is what I'm making for dinner. So, you know, that's, that has built um, a relationship that builds a relationship between parent and child where suddenly when you try to uh, reel in, you know, a teenager uh, and start to create rules for them when there haven't really been a lot of rules and, and they've had so much say in everything, they'll look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> we see, that's why we see so many problems from parents who have struggled uh, for years with this and have finally tried to do something about it. And they take away the internet or video games, for example, and suddenly they're met with uh, aggression, violence, tantrums, even people threatening to kill themselves or hurt themselves or hurt other people. And I think this is a uh, this is where a lot of the the issues with people outside of this world of gaming addiction tend to put their focus. They focus on what the parents did wrong at the start about not being strict enough, about not setting up that relationship of being in charge and letting the, the kid have too much control. And so when it gets to this point, it becomes too much for the child and they obviously uh, act out in aggression. And I think this leads back to what we were saying earlier about why it's damaging for people to attack parents straight away because most of the time the things they're talking about, the the quote-unquote damages were done years before. Well, there's, 
there's also the concept, you know, when you talk about strict enough with parenting, you know, first of all, what, what would be the criteria to impose on a parent to say that they were strict enough? Like, how would you define enough? And just from the, you know, con the, from a parenting style perspective, um, authoritative versus authoritarian parenting, you know, that they're, they're very different. So authoritarian parenting is because I said so. And, you know, that, that does not, that's not effective. That doesn't really teach uh, children, you know, any lessons. It just teaches them to um, be little, you know, soldiers that do, do whatever they're told. So instead, um, by applying authoritative parenting, where there are rules, um, but there's also a focus on warmth and responsiveness and, you know, creating a positive environment, you know, that's really where, where parents need to uh, be heading and to understand that difference between being overly permissive, overly authoritarian, and find that middle ground into authoritative. So there are rules, um, rules and have, you know, are, need to be adhered to, consequences are reasonable, and they are um, you know, given in a timely and regular basis, uh, they're, you know, they're enforced. So positive discipline instead of negative discipline. And when I hear people talking about, you know, strict enough, um, that doesn't really speak to me in a helpful way for parents. And so what can, let's say a parent has been stuck in this authoritarian mindset for years, suddenly realizes they've got to do something about their child struggling with gaming addiction and they try to implement these rules and they don't work what what uh what can they do then i think what happens is is that there's been a lot of permissive there's been permissive parenting um so there aren't a lot of rules it's you know the there's maximum freedom allowed um you know parents are sometimes inconsistent but you know, they're, they're criticized. So, you know, the criticism when you say you weren't strict enough really is more heavily reliant on expecting parents to be, you know, authoritarian and apply this, um, you know, because I said so sort of mentality, which again, doesn't teach kids, you know, how to make good choices. So, you know, you've got, you've got a, a culture where permissive parenting has been um, promoted, you know, and, and sort of the new style, then you've got people criticizing parents for that. I, I sometimes wonder who's uh, offering that criticism, um, you know, and then so parents, so parents now needing to establish, you know, a, a, you know, be somewhere in the middle, basically. And I think if you, you're asking me how, how to achieve that. So, you know, you've got one of the things I love about our new Reclaim program is this whole module focuses on the role of parents and sort of, you know, really getting to know yourself, getting to know your triggers, um, understanding how you might be manipulated, learning different communication styles with your children where, you know, I, when I speak with my children or I advise parents, I say to them, you should always ask your child and, and tell them their input is welcome, that you'd like their input. But that doesn't mean that their input is going to be, you know, the sole factor in any decisions. So, you know, that, that's the kind of collaboration. So you'll, you know, that parents need to move towards. And, you know, in the program, you get to really do work on worksheets that, you know, help you to define these very clear and structured um, rules and consequences for breaking those rules and, you know, understanding what your expectations are and how to communicate those. And, you know, authoritative parenting involves a lot of healthy communication um, and explaining, you know, why, why we need to make these changes, what's important, what our values are. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, 
this is as much a learning experience as it <laughs> for me as it is for anyone listening um i i don't really focus too much on the the parent like the the deep aspects of the parenting outside of game quitters uh, so it's great to great to hear it from someone who's so heavily involved with the process all of these concepts you know they don't they're not just exclusively you know to be applied to technology use and gaming i mean you know they're they're concepts that can be applied to all aspects of parenting um you know so i, I think it's just it's very valuable to understand um you know what what's been demonstrated to be the most effective style of parenting yeah <laughs> Yeah, it'll come in handy when I eventually, uh, many, many years in the future, have uh, <laughs> have children of my own. But one thing you touched on is this uh, idea of getting over uh, guilt or working through uh, your own issues. And I think it's a, a place where a lot of parents might start thinking themselves as a bad parent or feeling guilty and struggling emotionally with that. And uh, when you've spoken to parents about this in the past, do they? How do they usually react um, to you getting them to <laughs> take more of the, take that responsibility on themselves to improve? Are they usually pretty positive? Or I mean, a lot of it depends on the um, the well, you know, the state of of well being that the parent is in to begin with. I mean, they're you know when you're dealing with parents who are generally um, high functioning and families that are relatively high functioning, you know, just reassuring them that it's not their fault, that they couldn't have known, that there was no way to know. So, you know, that, that can go a long way to have somebody reassure them that, that it's just not their fault. So <clears throat> parents who are fairly high functioning are usually willing to give that up, you know, because they don't on some level want to stay stuck. Um, yeah. Parents who, who have their own, you know, disordered thinking, uh, thinking styles, um, you know, cognitive distortions and so on, you know, that they can't, it's difficult for them to see, um, but that is a way, you know, that they can almost, um, you know, avoid the hard work, you know, and avoid the responsibility and avoid being really present. Because if you're sitting and you're focusing on how guilty you feel, you're actually not being present to help your child. So, you know, I, I, I find that the parents sort of fall into two pots and, and mostly everybody I speak with um, is so happy to, you know, have someone not blaming them and to help them move, you know, to move through that. Uh, because it doesn't, it really serves no role. Yeah, this is the first time they probably had someone actually tell them that the the gaming addiction, the problems with gaming that aren't their fault. Um, obviously, it's always plastered in the media and therapists and doctors that don't have experience dealing with it tend to lay, lay the blame on other things. And that's when they might start falling into that trap of, blaming themselves, feeling guilty, and labeling themselves as a bad parent. But one thing I want to quickly uh, talk about is when parents are going through this this process of improving their mindset, improving their own lifestyle, how important do you think it is for parents to look at their own routines, their own uh, responsibilities when it comes to technology, and kind of change up their their habits to almost create an environment that's suitable for nurturing that change in their child? Uh, crucial. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, cr I, don't, I don't know what other word to use. Uh, it's, it's crucial for parents to be mindful of their own technology use. Um, you know, children, uh, you know, parents need to be role models and children really copy what they see their parents do. So you know, that's, that's extraordinarily important. Now, having said that, it's, you know, much easier said than done, because we live in a culture where technology is, you know, adults rely on technology, and even, even kids have begun to for almost everything, you know, work requires it, um, 
you know, anything you want to sign up for, you need to, like, if I give a lecture on technology addiction to come to my lecture, you need to register. You're not going anywhere to register. You're not mailing in a registration. You have to go online and, you know, provide your email and, if, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, we also are relying on, um, you know, social media let's just say, uh, to keep us informed um, or to connect us. Like, I'm not an anti-social media um, person. You know, I, don't, I think it needs to be something that you curate, uh, how you use it. So you can use it in an informational way or an educational way or an inspirational way. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a negative. But so, you know, we're, we parents need like they are always have their phone in their hand or a device in front of them um just just to function so it's really difficult to get them to be good role models when society demands them to use technology you know on a very regular and intense way um and and i think that's a real conundrum yeah it's almost expected it is absolutely expected. So, you know, here, um, I, certainly in the U.S., if, if you need to call, uh, let's say, your cable company or a credit card company, um, you want to, you know, ask a question, the first, you have to listen to a recording where you're directed to, you know, www, you know, such and such for more information, or you can stay, or you can stay on hold for 10 minutes, you know, so... Um, you know, that, that being the case, it's just much easier to go online. And I think that one of the ways that parents can model um, is stay on, stay on hold, make the phone call, like always choose the way that you can um, have the human interaction, you know, and that may seem like a little thing, but by your, by kids watching parents choose when there is a choice the human interaction versus the tech interaction, you know, that makes them more comfortable. And they hear the way their parents speak on the phone and that just becomes, you know, the way we do things in our family. So, you know, it's, but, but it's, it's very difficult, but that is also an important aspect in managing, you know, this, this technology addiction, or you've got parents playing candy crush or words with <laughs> friends and then criticizing, oh, you know, their kids for gaming. I mean, yeah. you know, or Sudoku, I mean, or a solitaire, like that's gaming too. Yeah. And, and it's very, you know, it's relaxing and it's addictive, but you know, the, the other um, issue I think is that, you know, the gaming that we're critical of, um, you know, video games are, are very, you know, there's a wide umbrella and we tend to be only critical of a very narrow aspect of gaming. Um, and I think that needs to be looked at more carefully as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, what about parents who maybe they, they speak to their kid about being mindful of, of their tech use, of their gaming habits and the first response from the child is, but all my friends are playing video games. What do you want me to do? I'll like, I won't have any friends at school. There's too much social pressure. Yeah. Cause I, I think what 80% of kids are playing video games or maybe 90. How can, how does a parent go about navigating that, that situation? Yeah. I mean, gaming is definitely the new play. Um, you know, you've got this like pool of kids that, um, you know, have have already fallen into gaming addiction. So it's so it's a different conversation with them uh, than the conversation you would have with kids who are, um, you know, aren't gaming excessively, um, but are gaming. The conversation I think that you have with with a child, you know, who's who has not, uh, you know, fallen into the abyss, is. I don't think that that avoiding gaming is necessarily uh, realistic. So, you know, the idea is to, you know, teach those kids. Yes, no problem. This is this is we live in Rome. And when in Rome, you need to be a Roman. Um, but that doesn't mean that you need to like eat so much that you're going to the vomitorium every day. 
you know, there, there is, there needs to be some regulation and some moderation. So again, you know, by taking your child's, you know, feelings into account and understanding the role that gaming is playing in their life, you know, and so if it is all my friends are doing it and it is part of the social fabric, then you need to understand that. Now, maybe you invite the friends over to your house to do it and not have it only, you know, online. I mean, if they're local, if, the, if it's a matter of local friends gaming, um, and, you know, then I think it's incumbent upon the parents to encourage as much face-to-face -face interaction as possible. And that, that places a greater burden on parents because it means driving your child somewhere and picking them up or, you know, hosting and parents are really busy and they don't necessarily want to do that. But, you know, unfortunately, like with all the good the technology has brought us, it's also, um, and, you know, increased the, the level of responsibility and demand that falls on parents in this arena. So, you know, that's, that's how conceptually I would address that question. Um, if a parent were to ask me and they're, they're not, um, they're not in a situation where there's problematic or excessive gaming already. Now, if it's already, if they're already there, you know, then, then we've got a different, different set of problems. Now that we understand that there are certain risk factors, um, for gaming disorders, video game addiction, you know, it is incumbent upon the parent to know whether their child um, has you know, any of those rivers. And certainly we know that um, ADHD is a risk factor. Um, social anxiety can be a risk factor. There's, you know, OCD can be a risk factor. So it isn't incumbent upon the parent that even when their child is saying, all my friends are doing it, to understand that, you know, their child may be different from the friends and the, you know, structure needs to be, um, you know, created around that reality. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the idea that gaming is a possible cause of things like ADHD and anxiety and OCD and that um, eventually their addiction isn't actually a gaming addiction, it's more of a, it's a symptom of bigger problems. What's your, have you ever had to deal with that, that question? I've really been giving this a lot of thought. So I think that there's sort of two pots of kids. Um, you know, pot one is those that would ordinarily be thriving. Um, you know, they don't have you know, a number of risk factors, or maybe they only have one risk factor, but in general, they would ordinarily be thriving. And then here is this like, great, fun, really accessible, really satisfying, now very social um, thing right inside their house. And so, you know, based on the ways that games are built, even those kids that would ordinarily be thriving, um, you know, are going to get the gratification and, and get instant gratification and see their achievements. And so the gaming can be very addictive for them. But, you know, these kids don't have a host of underlying issues that they're dealing with. You know, so in, in the first pot of kids, can they develop ADHD because of, you know, now they're, they're excessive gaming? So from a clinical standpoint, ADHD, you know, currently needs to be present. Um, symptoms need to be present. And, you know, before age 12. Does that mean that's the end all and the be all? Um, you know, I think that all of the technology that we have is reducing our ability for sustained attention, you know, and that is a societal problem. So, you know, and is there increase, so, and is there increased anxiety associated with the gaming? Well, I think any you know, any activity um, that you begin to participate in excessively and it starts to run you instead of you running it, it's going to create anxiety. You know, you, you have a, a feeling of a lack of control now and, you know, that does create anxiety. So that's sort of that, you know, group of, of 
you know, kids and young adults. Um, and then I, then I think there's another group um, that already, you know, has underlying issues, um, you know, such as anxiety or depression or OCD. And so we'll be more prone to excessive gaming, um, which then can, you know, it, um, more, more prone to do it as a coping mechanism. Um, you know, so sometimes it is actually a symptom of something else, but it can also simultaneously be the cause of intensifying the, you know, their underlying issues. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that's perfect. Um, it's, it's just because I've seen so much stuff in the media recently, um, the industry fighting back against gaming addiction, trying to use whatever they can to justify it. And it's it's interesting to hear your perspective. Uh, I think I share a lot of similar views to you. I think it's there's definitely two camps uh, that you can belong to. And although I think that for a lot of people, gaming addiction might be a problem, of underlying symptoms the way that video games are being designed nowadays is such a huge factor in forming these these bad habits they're so addictive and they're so um yeah they're 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 almost um villainous in a way (laughs) that they're so focused on keeping you playing right kids who would ordinarily be thriving you know are not um you know if you think about it you know, like, you know, any other substance, um, if it's, you know, in your home, if you, you know, again, you'd ordinarily be thriving, ordinarily be doing well in school, ordinarily going to school, ordinarily have, um, you know, ambition, but there's something now in your home that is, you know, so addictive and, and that is built in a way to really just keep you there all the time and you can access it any time, you know, that is going to create addiction, even in kids who normally wouldn't be associated with addiction, you know, in, in a different, you know, before gaming, let's just say, you know, it was drugs, alcohol, um, gambling, you'd have to leave your house, like you'd have to go somewhere to get this. And that, and that's a lot of effort. And most most kids can't do that. Uh, yeah. You know, they don't, the a street corner, it's just, they can't, they can't get, they can't get to the substance. So, um, but the substance's addictive powers, you know, are, are equivalent. Um, and, you know, and I read something this morning about, I don't know, this is the first time in history <laughs> that we've had such easy access to something that fulfills so many needs or is so stimulating um, for so many different angles, like the social aspect, the challenge, the the growth, the feeling it gives you, the um, like the intensity or the passion that you can put into it, the focus. There's so many things at once. It's It's no wonder that when kids are playing at like six years old all these new games that they <laughs> they go on to develop symptoms of addiction or gaming disorder later on well you think of as as we're talking it would be like putting uh let's say cocaine in food okay so you know we have to eat um and we have to use technology right so imagine if the food that you're eating had cocaine in it how would you not ultimately just, you know, become a cocaine addict, right? So it's sort of, and and you're doing something relatively benign, um, but because of the addition of this substance. So, you know, the analogy for me is that in some ways, you know, gaming, you know, historically um, was, you know, relatively benign. But now, you know, the way um, games have evolved, it's sort of like there's cocaine now in the games. All these, the um, we've got an article on it about whether video games are designed to be addictive, and it goes through all of the the underlying tactics or psychological principles they use in their games. Nowadays, you can find 
guidebooks or talks of game developers teaching people how to make addictive games and gaming companies are even hiring psychologists all these um these positions of people to make their games more addicting so as a result um i don't know what your stance is on it but do you think these companies should be held um should be more responsible like should be yes Yes. Okay. Next question. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I think that there is, well, you know, I understand that everybody is, you know, everybody at the end of the day is looking to make a living. Um, they have their families to feed. Um, you know, they've got their shareholders, um, you know, who, who are invested and, you know, so on. But I mean, there is a moral responsibility to build ethical technology. In, you know, we all live on this planet together, and uh, I do I do feel that there's just plain and simple a moral obligation, and you know it sh- it shouldn't be like the wild west. Um, so e- you know even just from that perspective, um, and I and I don't know why that morality you know is is absolutely absent other than you know greed yeah i think it does come down to that ultimately um i think another aspect is that they know that stricter regulations are coming they know that things are going to change they're going to do whatever they can (laughs) in the meantime to get around it and make as much money as possible um i don't know if you saw recently the the company that created uh, an artificial intelligence piece of software that can identify the whales yeah, identify people who are going to spend thousands of dollars in games and do it accurately. Like they identified that guy who spent $150,000 in their game. And the fact that this is just going on and is defended <laughs> by the industry, by the people, is is mind-blowing to me. Um, I don't know if it's just an awareness thing, like people don't know enough about it to realize that it's going on or whether they're putting a lot of money into it. As... I think there's a big generation gap. You know, the parents, there's such a big generation gap in, from, a, from a knowledge perspective. So if you try to talk about AI, you know, to anybody who's, you know, I think probably over 35, um, you know, and possibly even younger, they really don't understand it. Um, and, you know, and it's evolved and evolving so quickly that unless you, you know, unless you're taking a course in the, you know, or really studying it carefully, it's hard to understand. But, you know, I, I think I read the same article and it was astounding to me that, um, you know, the this guy, I can't remember his name, um, you know, just, had absolutely no sense of moral obligation um you know to no sense of moral obligation like it was oh this is just going to make me more money more efficiently and you know identify um the you know the victims i'm going to call them victims not whales (laughs) you know more quickly and more easily oh great you know who who's most vulnerable? Let me just jump in on the most vulnerable uh, population, and now I found a way to do it even faster and better. Yeah. You know, and it, it was it's disgusting. It I, is, I don't yeah. know how else to put it. It's really it's really upsetting. Yeah, uh, I think he justified it by saying that he's just always been good at making money, and so he found a place he could put his skills to good use. For those who are listening and don't understand what a whale is, it's a term used in the, it's originally used in the gambling industry to describe someone that's a big spender um, who's going to put a lot of money into it and they can identify these whales as people that they can perhaps uh, give better offers to or treat them a bit better and keep them spending money and coming back for more. And the gaming industry has kind of hopped on this term um, as people who will spend a lot of money on microtransactions or loot boxes in the in games especially in mobile gaming and it's becoming um well it's it's becoming you know an 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 additional layer of um you know prop it's an additional layer of problems adds additional an an additional layer so the loot boxes the microtransactions identifying the whales you know who are you know vulnerable um you know a vulnerable population 
adds another layer. So just to finish things up, um, we're running out of time, but this idea that parents are to blame for video for video game addiction, uh, I think we've covered it pretty intensely, but for parents who are struggling with either gaming addiction or just maybe too much gaming use, perhaps at school, it's getting in the way of their coursework or their exams, uh, what can parents do or what's the first thing parents should do to begin to overcome this problem and get the help they need? Um, well, they should go to Game Quitters. <laughs> That's the first thing they should do, go to Game Quitters. That's uh, it. Yep. <laughs> take, a look, take a look at the Reclaim program. Uh, perhaps have a conversation with me so I can help them sort out their individual situation. Um, because, you know, again, each situation is individual. Um, but, you know, first off, and, and it sort of does follow the, you know, mo uh, the model of the program is really to understand what this is doing for your child. Like what needs are getting met, um, why they like it, and to figure out if there are ways that you can help them um, find substitutes, those needs met, or understand that there are underlying issues that need to be addressed and you may not have paid them, you know, through no fault of your own. Um, but then to, you know, help your child get help to address those underlying issues. I think that's a, a really good starting point for parents. And I don't think there is a role for blame, but I do think it's important for parents to understand what benefits that they might be getting um, from their child's gaming, you know, whether it's some free time, whether it's reducing their anxiety about their kids being outside of the home doing other things, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, that needs to be looked at carefully too, because then parents need to, you know, figure out how else they can get their needs met, um, you know, in an effective way that doesn't put their kids, um, you know, at risk for addiction. Um, you know, that, those are my two sort of starting points. And again, you know, being, being a good role model in the best way that you can. So, you know, certainly if, you know, I, I don't have a problem with somebody gaming with their child. In fact, in some cases, um, you know, that can be um, very enlightening, but also, you know, from a role modeling standpoint, shows them that they know when and how to turn games off. Um, I think it's also incumbent on parents to really, you know, be aware of the addictive nature of games and to, you know, create um, a set, uh, you know, set of rules and, uh, you know, stick to those, have consequences, set it up sort of in this, you know, if then format. So if you don't turn it off, um, when you know we've agreed it should be turned off then tomorrow you lose gaming time you know so on and so forth i mean i do i want to emphasize also though that i think that parenting you know that parenting is harder than ever um the challenges the parents face you know are greater than ever in history um you know, this, this is really the, the unknown and there, you know, there are more demands from a work-life balance standpoint placed on parents all the time. You know, all of the access to information that we have is just, you know, creating uh, an information overload and a fatigue and you know, you've got, you know, all these sources, you know, from telling you what to do and what not to do and they're sometimes conflicting and, you know, there's just a level of exhaustion, not, and then not to speak of also, you know, economic challenges where you, and many families have both parents working or not having financial resources um, to, you know, allow their kids to participate in other activities. Um, you know, so I, I, my heart, you know, really goes out to parents um, who, of younger children and parents who have you know, older children or young adults who are struggling with video game addiction because, um, you know, I don't believe it's their fault. Uh, nobody chooses that for their child. And there hasn't really been a roadmap so far uh, in terms of, you know, how to deal with this and what to do. Now, in 10 years from now, 
I may not be saying the same thing because you know we are um, we are developing. You know, I think reclaim is a roadmap. I think that all the literature, you know, raising awareness about video game addiction, um, you know, should be on the forefront of parents' minds. So, you know, their parenting already style already needs to be changing. And you know, in ten years from now, if you claim that you didn't know this was going to happen or could happen, I might say, well, I'm not going to blame you, um, but sort of wondering, you know, like, you know, about secondhand smoke in the home, like, is how is it you missed? You know, how, how, how did you, how did you miss this? Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. You could give me three weeks, so I couldn't say it any better <laughs> by myself. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, this episode of Game the System. Thank you, James. If you are a parent who is struggling, don't forget to check out our new Reclaim program. It's gamequitters.com forward slash reclaim. You could schedule a call with Nadia if you'd like to. She's available to speak to parents who are struggling with gaming addiction. And she's one of the best people in the industry at the moment who's capable of dealing with it. Uh, So make sure to reach out and get help if you do need it. But... I'm sure we'll talk again, Nadja. Um, You've been a great guest. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, James. Yep, help help is out there. Um, I mean, that's really what, you know, we want to emphasize help is available. And I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak on this about this topic. It's, it's a very important one for me personally. And I think it's a very important issue in society and globally. Exactly. Thank you so much. And until next time. Until next time. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Gaming the System. It's always amazing talking to someone with so much knowledge about such a specific area. And I've really learned a lot. Like I mentioned early on in the podcast, this was as much a learning experience for me as I hope it was for you. If you're listening to this and you're struggling with gaming addiction or you're a parent, I'd highly recommend checking out our webinar that's going live next week, all about the top mistakes parents make with gaming addiction. It's hosted by the founder of Game Quitters, Cam Adair, and it'll be roughly an hour long, depending on how long the, <laughs> the Q&A lasts for. But I'll put a link in the description where you can go and sign up or register. It'll be full of information that you can't get anywhere else on the internet apart from our Reclaim program, which is specifically designed for parents to guide them from knowing nothing to being able to solve gaming addiction in the household once and for all. As always, don't forget to like, review, rate, whatever platform you're listening on. They're all different, (laughs) so I've got to cover everything. really helps us out a lot. And thanks for listening, and until next time, Peace.